status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with you here in Club Pod on Clubhouse with the one, with the only, Mr. Pat Flynn. Mr. Pat Flynn, how you doing there, my brother? Steve, I'm doing well, man. What an intro. Dude, that music like lights me up. I know, right? Isn't that a good one? That doesn't get you fired up. I don't know what will. Um, yeah, and then wait for, the, wait for the exit. I know, right? It gets even better on the exit. All right, sweet. So Pat and I have known each other for uh, a number of years, and I've always been just super impressed with everything that you've been able to do, man, and, and really love how much you love podcasting. Like you love, like you can, like there are certain people where you just kind of go, okay, they're, they're, you know, I don't know, they're doing it and it is what it is. And you don't have that same sense of love. Like I get the feeling that you love podcasting as much today as you did when you recorded your first episode way back when. Is that true? Uh, well, maybe not my first episode because that was really scary. But yeah, episode two, I mean, I almost love podcasting as much as I love my kids. Like mm. it is, it is something I think about every day. I almost podcast every day. Um, I'm 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 eating it all up. It's it's I breathe it. I sleep it. I've ever have you ever had a dream about podcasting? <laughs> I've had a dream about Clubhouse, but then I woke up and I was actually on a stage <laughs> in Clubhouse. <laughs> so yes and no. Like like on the microphone. I wake up. I'm like, wait, did I record that? Wait, no, that wasn't even real. Ugh. <laughs> it's gotten to that point. Yeah, man. Yeah, it has. So. And just out of curiosity, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Pat, I don't want to do a disservice here because, you know, it's really interesting. And what I find, and this is always the most humbling and sometimes humiliating, but I guess humbling in a, in a good way, uh, side of the, of the game here, which is uh, I've been in this world of internet marketing and, and podcasting for quite some time. When I take a stage, I always ask the question of how many of you have never heard of me before? And it's always very humbling because so much more of the room raises their hand, says, I haven't heard of you, than has actually heard of you. And it's just kind of funny because you always get tired of telling your stories before others you know, get tired of hearing them. And so to that end, I think that there are probably some people here who may not actually know who you are. So I want to give you the opportunity just to do a quick, brief intro and bring folks up to speed because you're, you, I don't want to get into too much of the backstory because you've got a really storied, interesting history. Uh, but just give me the, what's the current if somebody says, hey, who the hell is Pat Flynn today? How do you answer that? Uh, yeah, some weird nerd who likes to podcast and shoot YouTube <laughs> videos. It's usually the answer. Who's also obsessed with Pokemon cards right now, uh, actually. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, you know, it's funny when I go on a lot of people's podcasts as a guest, uh, before we hit record, they often say things like you just said, like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have you tell your story, but I know you've told it a thousand times. And I actually love telling my story because I know that there are people who don't know that I exist. I, like people, they're like, yeah, everybody knows who you are. I, I hope not, because there's so many more people out there that I know I could potentially help who perhaps haven't been introduced to me yet. So for me, you know, I live in San Diego. I have two kids. I have, I have a wife and I podcast and I YouTube and I'm a content creator, a blogger. I write books, I speak on stages, um, all with the idea of trying to help others through my own example. And the way that I best teach is through doing and by sharing, uh, sharing the things that work well, sharing the things that don't work well. And this all started after I got laid off from an architecture job. Then I built a business helping people pass an architecture, architecture exam. And then a lot of people were like, how did you do that? And I was like, I'll just show you. 
And that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been doing that since 2008. Mm. Some of the things that I've shown people are how I built a niche website in the security guard training industry. And I just showed people exactly how I did that. I actually sold that business last year. Same thing in the food truck space. I built a website to teach people how to do that. I sold that last year. I built a software company. I have invented something, have been showing people how I've done that. Right now, I'm actually actively showing people how I'm building a YouTube channel in a space that I did not know anything about since six months ago when the pandemic started uh, way back when. And I'm showing people what I'm learning there and it's going pretty well. So yeah, I, I was, I'm like, you know what? I'm not a good talker. I, I'm not a good salesman, but I can just show you what I'm up to. And apparently people really love that. So yeah, they I'm, do. I'm just going to keep showing up. So it's interesting. So there's, there's a lot of folks who are going now like, holy Jiminy, how, how do you do all of that? And so you have a family, you have all of these businesses. What, what on earth does your schedule look like? Like what allows you to do so much and be so productive and so good at what you do in so many different arenas? Well, a lot gets done, but I don't do them all. And that's, that's a big lesson there. And that's something that happened a few years back when I learned the difference between scrappy entrepreneur and CEO of a company. And I've become CEO of my company now to a point where I have uh, eight team members who are all responsible for certain parts of the business and who I can trust and who also feel ownership in those parts of the business such that I now can focus on the things that I also can contribute to the business, but are very much only things that I can do. Um, and that's great because for a while I was trying to do everything and I was uh, very much under, in the understanding that if I continued to go down that route, I would either burn out or things would crumble uh, underneath me. So very much credit to my team and, and the teams that I've built to help manage the certain businesses that I have so that I can get time back to try these other things. Um, the other thing that's been really helpful, actually, this happened after I had a kid. Um, when my wife was pregnant, um, you know, I, I definitely uh, changed my mindset from, okay, I'm just going to work as, as many hours as I can to there are only so many hours I should be working. So let's make sure that those hours are worthwhile. So over the years, I've been really good at, okay, I, I, I don't want to work all day on something. I only have so much time. So let me make sure that this time is worth it, that this is valuable. I feel like if I'm wasting time or if I'm inefficient, it's actually time that I'm taking away from my family. It's time that I don't allow myself to also work on my health and, and, and my uh, fitness. So for me, it's like, I, I have to do more planning ahead of time to know, am I going down the right route? Am I doing the things I should be doing? Because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to waste time. And for me, a part of that is really, really getting involved with my audience and knowing who they are, understanding as much as I can about them, because if I can do that, then I don't have to guess anymore. And part of what I know a lot of entrepreneurs and creators do is we guess. We're just like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this and, and throw it out there. For me, I'm like, let me, let me spend a little bit more time up front to, to do research and have conversations so that when I put this out there, I know it'll hit. It doesn't always hit, but at least I'm giving myself the best chance for it to do that. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, so let me ask you this, as it relates then to the family, when you, when you have to choose between doing something for your business and doing something with the family, how is it, is there a particular question that you ask yourself, how do you run it against knowing that you could be doing a million different things, but also knowing that you want to have balance? So I, I want to talk about the, the family and the balance and then that decision-making process, because especially here on, on Clubhouse, where it can become so consuming and we find yeah, ourselves here for hours and hours and hours, I, I just want to get a sense then, is there, 
Is there a particular question as it relates to the family that you run through in, in your mind to be able to get to the answer that serves them uh, and, of course, also serves you and what you need to do from a business perspective? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a great question, especially because the entrepreneurial life balancing is, is very important. And it's hard because when you strive for, uh, you know, betterment, um, we often consider what perfect uh, work-life balance would be. But unfortunately, that's sort of a myth. It's it's just an act, if, we, if you will, a balancing act. Um, because the truth is there's only perfect perfect balance on a scale in one moment where everything is equal weight on both sides. And I've come to realize that if that's all you're shooting for, you're just going to set yourself up for failure all the time because that's hard to do. Perfect balance on both sides is difficult to do. What it's about is just balancing and making sure that you're not teetering too far to one side or too far to the other. And what helps with this is not in real time considering, oh no, we're so far over here. Let's see if we can do something on the other side. It's planning ahead again, thinking about, okay, when are my launches gonna happen in my business? Okay, this is a time that I can let April, my wife know, and the family know. Both kids are old enough now to know why I do what I do and what I'm doing to understand, okay, this is launch week. This is why this is happening. This is what's going to be involved. So I'm going to be less present during this time. But we also know that after this, we're going to be doing all this fun stuff together. And we're going to be going on this little, you know, vacation, or we're going to, you know, spend some time at Big Bear and go hiking, just to kind of balance that out. And as long as those things are thought about ahead of time, then it's never a, hey, this is getting way out of, out of hand or, or whatever. So planning is really important. Now, it's funny, because you're like, okay, when I choose to do something, do I consider... How does this affect the business and or how is it negatively and or positively affecting the family? I, I don't really think about it in that way, you know, because we as a family, we're, we're sort of a unit. And me working in the office is the family, is, is that part of the family unit working while at the same time, April is working on the family and the business at the same time by supporting the family and the kids in the living room or wherever while I'm here. It's like, we're, we're all working in concert with each other. We all, we all know what we're doing for the family uh, family's benefit in whole. So it's almost like, you know, we're, we're, we're all doing this for the benefit of the family, whether it's me working on that business and, and, and being on this podcast right now, or my wife taking care of the kids, because that in, in, in reality is even more important. Um, but, the, the other thing is like getting the kids especially involved and not involved like I want to put them on camera or anything, but just like if I'm going to speak anywhere, for example, if I'm going to a conference, which I haven't gone to in a while, which is why I love, love, love Clubhouse. But if I'm going to be at a conference, for example, I will tell the kids about this conference. I will tell them about who's in the audience and I'm going to tell them uh, exactly what I'm going to be talking about on stage and why this is important. Because when I was a kid, when my dad would go on a business trip, it was just he's on a business trip right? He's in Washington. I have no idea what he's doing. That being said, I don't know if he was allowed to tell me what he was doing because he worked for the government. But even then, it's like work equals time away from from my dad, right? And for me, I want work to bring us together. Work is what allows us to do the things we do. But also at the same time, like if the kids walk into the office and they want to start pushing buttons, push away. Yeah, my Roadcaster Pro is going to be all jacked up, but I took a picture of it beforehand. So yeah, let's get you behind the mic. Let's turn up this knob and show you what that does. Let's play with this thing and show you what it does so that they know that when I'm in here, I get to play with these things too. And that we're all kind of doing this together. So kind of a long-winded answer of just saying, you know, I don't really see the line between family and, and business. It's mm. all sort of one unit. Yeah, which is a beautiful way to look at it and, and really, really helpful for those of us who perhaps are drawing those lines and looking at it as sort of bucket A and bucket B. And, and you see it as all one cohesive whole, which is really, really helpful. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, and we're gonna we're gonna take some questions. And by the way, if this is your first time hanging out with us in Club Pod, 
Welcome. Really, really, really glad you are here. Make sure you take your little thumb, put it on that greenhouse at the top, uh, and join us in Club Pod. Make sure you're following Pat. Uh, if you're not following me, please do so as well. Uh, we are going to take questions. Uh, I don't want to be the only one here asking Pat. Definitely want to give it, uh, open it up here for all of you as well, which is one of the reasons why I love Clubhouse, because we can make it more interactive and get you guys involved. So the way that we do it here in Club Pod, not mandatory, but we love when you show love to the club by switching over your profile image to show Club Pod. So you can just simply take a screenshot of Club Pod while you're here, switch over your profile image. I'm going to do that PTR, that pull to refresh. When we see those new images there of you guys showing some love to the club, showing Club Pod, those are the people that we're going to bring up first. So not mandatory, but we love it when you do it. So again, thank you for doing so for those who already are and, and Kelly and some of the others that I've already seen here showing some love to the club. So thank you for that. Uh, and so when we open it up for questions, those are the people that we're going to bring up first. It's just kind of cool to rep the club. And, uh, and again, thank you for that. So let me ask you this question here, because I know we've got a lot of podcasters here in Club Pod, and I will open up the, uh, the hand raising option here in, in just about a minute or so. So let me ask you this. A lot of podcasters here, a lot of them are wondering, you know, geez, how, how do I attain the types of numbers that, that you've been able to get to? I mean, like you've had phenomenal success with your podcast and with your podcasts, plural. So my question to you is, now that you've been in the game for as long as you've been in the game, you've helped a lot of people to launch. You've seen a lot of people come and go, pod paid this, that, and the other, whatever. Mm -hmm. What do most podcasters get wrong in terms of building an audience and actually being able to generate real revenue from a podcast? First of all, Steve, just let me say you're really good at this. Um, I'm I'm taking pointers here from you here on Clubhouse. So if you if you all want to learn how to moderate a room, uh, definitely follow Steve if you haven't already. Thank you, Steve, for the for the uh, real time sort of demonstration here. Um, what do most podcasters get wrong? Uh, it's interesting. They ask the, the the thing that podcasters get wrong is they ask, "How do I attain numbers like you?" <laughs> so n no offense to you, Steve, but that that that's the wrong question to be asked. Sure. Yeah. What's the because, right question? I mean, the right way to think about this is, you know, imagining the individual human beings that are there on the other end, and it would behoove you to start thinking about those individual lives, those people, and having empathy with each and every single person, despite it not being millions of listeners. Even if it's a hundred, if you had a hundred of those human beings in an actual room, you'd feel a little differently because you would see those human beings, you would feel them, you would be able to empathize with them and start having conversations with them. And that's unfortunately the thing that we have a hard time remembering when we have a podcast and people are very open with their numbers and we start playing that comparison game, which is a very dangerous game to play. We cannot compare our numbers to other people's as much as we, we, we shouldn't be doing that as much because what we're doing is we're often comparing two different timelines, two different backgrounds, two different uh, histories, two different timelines. And I think it's very important for us to rather compare ourselves to ourselves in the last episode, to ourselves last month, to our numbers from last year and ensuring that we're always trying to make incremental improvements over time. Maybe in the next episode, we could worry a little bit more about telling the story a little bit more deeply. Maybe the next time we can talk about adding a little bit of comedic elements into the show to see how that goes. And when you've read the book Atomic Habits, you'll understand this idea of compounding habits and how much just a small little micro change over time can make. And so that's, a, that's an approach that I have. So when it comes to you know, this question of, oh, how do I attain numbers like you? I think the right question is, how do I attain a deep, deep relationship with my podcast listening audience because when you achieve that you could have a hundred people and you can live 
an amazingly, incredibly fulfilling life that has money coming in, that has you feeling recognized, even with just 100 people. I know some podcasts that have just a few thousand listeners a month. And again, to compare it with me, we have 150,000 downloads per episode. It doesn't compare. But what you can compare is that a person who has 100 people listening to their show can know exactly who those people are, can understand more about their lives, can probably even better than I can have legit one-on-one conversations with a larger percentage of their audience. I, with uh, being a bigger podcaster now, do not have the ability or the, time, or the time to do that anymore. So um, I think it's really important to understand that you being a smaller podcaster, if in fact you are one, you actually have an advantage to be able to create a deeper connection with who it is that's listening to you. And your job should be to get to know every single one of those people as much as possible, which means perhaps building an email list or connecting with, with them here on a clubhouse or through club pod or, or what have you. Um, that That's what you should be trying to figure out. How do I create a real connection with the audience that's listening, no matter what size it is. And I'll tell you when you focus on who it is that's in your audience already as a byproduct of that, your podcast, will grow because you're going to be talking the same language that they now uh, can realize that, that, you know, that, that they understand that is what it is they're going through. Yeah. Um, people internally, when you help them feel like they belong, guess what? They bring others along with them. And instead of worrying about more, I was going to say eyeballs, but ears, eardrums. Um, finding eardrums or ear balls or whatever. <laughs> um, you can worry about how am I going to get people who are in my audience to share this with others? And that's where the focus should be. Yeah, love that. Thank you for that. Uh, by the way, are you standing up or sitting down right now? I'm standing up. I'm oh. always standing up while I'm doing audio. Yeah, me too. Interesting. Okay, that, that kind of felt like the energy was there on the stand up, but I just figured I'd, I'd ask that as well. <laughs> that's um, funny. And speaking of energy, so let me ask you a question. Um, so I've known you for years. No pressure here, but I'm just I'm legitimately curious. Like, what do you look for in guests? Because I've never been a guest on one of your shows, which I would love to do, but obviously there's something I'm not doing. So what is something, I don't mean that in like a, I'm calling you out kind of way. I just mean it in like a very sincere, like what does someone have to do to be a guest on a show? You know, you've got a couple of shows now, obviously one's a question to answer. You've got a couple other things going on there, but like, what what do you look for? Because obviously you always want to add value wherever possible for your guests. So what what is that criteria? Well, the criteria is, can you bring something new and exciting and inspirational and or educational to my audience that hasn't been there yet? And so that obviously takes into account the 460 episodes that I've already recorded and a person considering how they might be able to bring something different. So obviously there's on one spectrum, the dear owner of smart passive income, I'd love to be on your show. That's obviously not going to work, right? Because there's no connection there. But then I have people who are legit sending real emails, but there's nothing that gives me an understanding that they know who my audience is. If you could tell me exactly who it is that's listening and why you have something different to bring, then I will consider it. And that that's really what it is. And, and, and so many times, even when people answer that question, it's just a very generic thing. And when I hear the story, when I hear the lessons and how you've done something different, then I want to bring it because my goal is to bring and provide value that's different to my audience. And only guests who can provide something different have uh, the ability to come on the show. So I, I hope that answers your question. And yeah. it's not to say that you, 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 you don't have anything different to share. It's just, I have not had that pitch from you yet. Yeah, and, no, totally when, you know, and, and, and the other thing is like, you know, this is, this is a great, um, two sort of more tactical things, if you will, if you want to be on other people's podcasts that, that I find work really well. 
uh, three, in fact. Number one, if you can get an introduction from somebody and somebody else who I already have a relationship with is vouching for you, that goes a very, very long way. So keep that in mind when you're reaching out to other podcasters too. Uh, number two, if you are a student of mine and you've done something that I've taught you and it's like mind-blowingly awesome, any podcaster will want to feature that person because it makes them look good too. And so many times my own students get access to the show because not not – Yes, they're coming on because they get to also share how awesome my courses or whatever are, but that's always just the byproduct of where were you before and now where are you after? And then that inspires other people to, to also potentially take uh, my courses or, or programs and, and whatnot. Um, and then number three, this often works, find a different mode of communicating to me versus email. Uh, I get probably 500 emails a day. So if you send me an email, it's probably not going to come through to me. If not, my assistant will see it first. And then you'd have to kind of know what she's looking for. So I think that a video or a direct message goes a very long way too. But uh, I, I, I need something that grabs my attention first. And then to understand if you have something worth uh, my audience's time, because that's who I'm here for. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And so if you guys are getting value out of this, which I'm sure that you are, I know I'm here taking notes, please hit that plus sign at the bottom Invite other people in. There's a really, really rare opportunity here to learn directly from one of the top podcasters in the world, Mr. Pat Flynn himself. We're going to open it up for Q&A. Uh, and, and by the way, as you can see here, as we do the pull to refresh, for those of you who are moderators or run clubs, doesn't that look pretty sweet? I mean, look at the stage right now. You do that pull to refresh, right? You got all that love for the club. So thank you for that. I appreciate all that. And uh, just, just a little tip here. And again, you change it back after you get out. But but right now, it's just so cool to see. So thank you, Juliet and Julie and Justin and Doc and Terry and Sean and Vanika and, and others as well. So if you wanted to raise your hand, please do so. The hand raising is open. Uh, again, we're going to do this uh, as quickly as we can, get to as many questions as we can. So please, no backstory, just fire away the question. We will try to get to as many people as we can. And again, the first people that we're bringing up are those who show some love to the club, switch it over. Not mandatory. We're going to get to as many people as humanly possible here. So hand raising is open. Let's go to Juliet. Just go straight to the question, please. And we'll try to get to everybody, just uh, as many people as we can here anyway. Please, Juliet. Yes. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, Pat. Um, so I have a question about video. Mm -hmm. What do you think as a podcaster that it is a mandatory thing to grow, to have like YouTube videos um, that you are posting when you're recording? I don't think it's a mandatory thing. And what I worry about is people hearing that, oh, video is a good strategy. And whilst building their podcast, also trying to build a YouTube channel at the same time, you're talking two different platforms and YouTube is a beast in and of itself. However, if you have the ability to, or maybe your podcast has been out for a while and you're efficient with it and you've optimized it and you have systems and or a team, then exploring YouTube as a way to get more uh, listeners can be great and also build a little bit of a YouTube following as well. However, I also know that not... Uh, a majority of uh, people don't go on YouTube to watch an hour conversation often. Yes, there is Joe Rogan, but he's one of the rare few who, of course, because of his name and the celebrities that are on the show, people are glued to the screen no matter what. So obviously he has this giant podcast. But where I found the uh, lowest hanging fruit is for YouTube and podcasting to work together is by turning on the video camera, if you can, while doing the interview, whether you are doing it through, I don't know, Skype or Zoom or Squadcast's new video feature, you can capture those moments. And then you take clips from that podcast that are shorter, that are okay for people to watch for a few minutes because they're not there to watch the people or to listen to five different topics. They, they want the answer to their question. 
And so if you can take these clips from that one podcast episode, you can repurpose those clips, maybe they're five, 10 minutes, maybe even shorter, very much like JRE clips, which is Joe Rogan uh, experience clips. He has a separate channel for just the clips alone. And that's actually how I found his podcast was actually through a clip because it answered a very specific question about something that I had. And most people know people on YouTube search for very specific answers to very specific questions. So just rip that part of the video out, put it onto YouTube. If you have the ability to add some B-roll or other things on the screen to make it a little bit more adorned and flavorful, great. But just make sure you have a really, really good title that relates to that subject and a thumbnail. Title and thumbnails are everything on YouTube. And then what happens is in the video and or the description itself, bring people back to the audio show from there. That's the lowest friction way to get the advantage of the YouTube algorithm because we podcasters, as we know, we don't have an algorithm to work with. So we can piggyback off of YouTube using these very specific contained sections of our podcast episodes and do it that way. Other aspects that you might be able to use YouTube would be maybe you have an interview with a, a big guest and you want to pull out the five most surprising facts about that and pop that into YouTube. And yes, it's a 10 minute video, but it's just made up of clips, have a little bit of a pre-recorded intro in there and do that. I did that with an interview with MKBHD. I turned on the camera because I knew he had a big celebrity name in the, in the YouTube space. And I took five moments from that, packaged it into a video that I then published on my YouTube channel, which now has 13,000 views that wouldn't have been there before. So repurposing in that way works better than just taking the whole chunk and putting it out there. Um, unless you have good visuals, maybe multiple camera angles, in my opinion, it's not worth just putting the audio with maybe two faces talking back and forth the whole time. Yeah. Thanks, okay, Juliet. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're the best. I, I watch you when I started my podcast. You were the first person I went to. You made it easy. And um, was I was up and running within a month. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so you are welcome, Juliet. Let's go to Julie. And uh, again, thanks for everybody who's showing some love to the club here. Really appreciate it. Please hit that plus button. Bring some other people in. Pat's going to fire away with some answers here that I know you guys are want to hear. Julie, what's going on? Hi, Steve. Hi, Pat. Team Flynn hey. for the win. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask a question, my podcast, and my husband is my co-host. And one of the things that I keep hearing a lot, and again, I've really connected to the listeners. And one of the things I keep hearing is that they really love the banter between the two of us because I, mm -hmm. before I actually get into the interview, would it be a good strategy to actually expand on that banter or continue to do what I am doing that seems to be working, but maybe do I give them more of my co-host or? <laughs> Here, here's the answer. Um, you, you won't know how they're gonna respond until you do it. So this is a piece of advice for all of you. If you're like, hmm, I wonder if we should try this try it in one episode, don't fully commit to it yet, see what the reaction is. I would just recommend Julie trying it once and just uh, asking your audience later, and you said you have this connection with them, maybe on social media, you can be like, hey, we purposefully added a little bit more banter this time around, you all said you love that. What did you think? Leave your honest thoughts below because we wanna continue to provide the best content and most entertaining content for you, and you'll be able to just literally hear it. This is better than just committing to this full force and, um, you know, you, you might find that even though they like it, they like it exactly the way it is. And you'll be able to know for sure once you sort of uh, experiment with that. We should all be using our podcast platform to just continue to experiment to see what actually the truth is and stop guessing. Yeah. And let me just add to that, Julie, one, one other thing to really think about here is you can use this. What, what I love so much about Clubhouse is that it gives you the opportunity to really throw a lot of things up against the wall to see what sticks. Right. I mean, it's, it's the it's the best opportunity to gather data. And, you know, it's, it's, let me just give you an example here. So one of the things that we were kicking around the idea of for a long time was uh, me and a friend, we're going to do a show called Black and Jew. 
the Black and Jew podcast. Well, I'm the Jew. He's the Black, right? And so it's a little controversial. It's a little like, oh my God, I don't know. Is that too much? I don't know this, that, and the other. Well, we did a couple of rooms here where we use that as the title. And so what happened? Well, people actually really liked the conversation and we're going to move forward with it. But had we put together that room and the title was like Blacks and Jews talking shit, I think, uh, taking over Clubhouse, you know, this, that, and the other, whatever it was. But it was very clear in the title that that's what it was. So it, it, it's like a focus group. Like this is a free focus group in a lot of ways for you to be able to leverage on an ongoing daily basis. So open a few rooms, see what people say, you know, see what they think, et cetera, and, and then go from there. And if the response is good, then you know you've got something and it doesn't cost you anything out of pocket to get that data. All right. Uh, awesome. Yep. Brilliant. Thank you so much, you guys. You are welcome. Thank you, Thank you Julie, Julie. Uh, all right, kick it over to Justin. What's going on, my friend? And then we will go to Dr. Lola after Justin. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, Pat, yeah, my question for you is based on kind of how you opened up your uh, talk for today, you mentioned kind of about your transition from um, being a worker or a mm-hmm. employee kind of mindset into a CEO. And I wanted to kind of hear your kind of what your top takeaways have been in that kind of evolution of your life. And, and then also I hear a little bit about how you are managing your time because you also mentioned about some time management strategies that are working for you. So I'd be curious to hear your top uh, points in those two areas. Yeah, let me start on that latter point about time management. I mean, for me, um, prioritization is really key. So planning is definitely a part of that. And that actually ties into your first question about what it's like to be CEO. A CEO plans ahead. A CEO tries to forecast. A CEO will sort of have the plan in front of them versus just sort of take it day by day. So that's that was a big mindset shift for me because, for example, with the podcast, I was hit and record on a podcast, putting it out there. And as soon as it was out there, I was like, okay, uh, what's next week's episode going to be about? And if that's how you're feeling, you're still playing scrappy entrepreneurs, sort of playing catch up with yourself every week versus a CEO or somebody will plan ahead and go, okay, what's the next month looking like? And I know in some niches that's not possible because you might have news-based things or sport news and things like that. But even then you can still plan ahead. And and, and a part of uh, being a CEO as well is understanding that you need to do the things that only you can do. And you can hand off those things that either you're weak at or, and here's the big one, you still might be good at but you probably shouldn't do knowing there's higher levels or, or bigger levers that you can pull that, that do more for the business. Um, so, so that's on the CEO thing. But for me, time-wise, yes, planning is important. But here's the other thing, um, just-in-time learning, right? This is the idea of only allowing yourself to learn about the things that you're focused on next. So that, of course, goes with the planning, what's happening next. But for me, I suffered at one point from content bloat. I was consuming way more than I was taking action on. And I was consuming things that weren't related to the next thing I was doing. And I was either just getting very overwhelmed or I was not finding time to do those things that I really needed to do for what my next priority is. So I've implemented this thing called just-in-time learning, which I only allow myself to learn, consume, to have podcasts about, or anything into my brain that is only about the next thing that I'm doing. Now there's some struggle here because there's this thing called FOMO, where if you come across a piece of content or a great podcast episode, you might say to yourself, that is sounds amazing. I, I need that. But here's what you need to do. You take that and you put it into an Evernote folder or a folder on your Google Drive or whatever, whatever. And you just put it there so that you're no longer missing out on it. It's just reserved for you for later. And that takes care of the FOMO. You're now opting out of that. So you can opt into the thing that you once said yes to. And the cool thing is, and the interesting thing is, I don't know if it's cool, but I have a folder of literally thousands of pieces of content that I thought I needed just didn't eat right now, I never go back to that folder ever. 
It's just simply there now as a tool for me to put something just in case I need it. And I'll tell you, this cuts out so much uh, time that I would otherwise use for things that aren't related, again, to moving forward and moving the needle. Um, and the other thing for me is I've, I've tried the one thing before. We've all heard about, you got to focus on one thing. Uh, Gary Keller and Jay Papasan wrote a book called The One Thing, right? And there's consequences when you distribute your focus. But there's also consequences, in my opinion, at least for me, with just doing only one thing because I am an entrepreneur, a creator. I want to try other things too. So the way that I've been able to balance this is what I like to call scratching the innovator's itch 20% of the time, 20% of uh, itch rule. The 20% itch rule is spending 80% of my time on the things that I've already said yes to, the, the responsibilities, my team, my businesses, et cetera. But this new thing that otherwise would just consume my life, but is not necessarily part of my responsibilities right now, but it's still an itch yeah. I want to scratch. Okay. I want to allow myself to do that 20% of the time. So if you consider five days a week, maybe it's just every Friday, I'm allowing myself to experiment, to try this new thing that may or may not work out, but it's okay. Because even if it doesn't, I'm still learning and I'm still doing the 80% of the things that I'm responsible for. This is very much similar to how they do work at Google. They allow employees to do 20% of their time on random projects and coding things that aren't required. Gary Vee spends 20% of his time on brand new platforms just to be the first front runner on there to try things. Ramit Sethi spends every Friday on new creative business ideas that aren't related to the things we've already said yes to. So I work in the same way too. So an example of this was two years ago, my 20% of time was built uh, was used building an, an invention called a switch pod. And that was taking up 20% of my time. I had no business creating a physical product. There was no real reason for me to do that other than I wanted to scratch that itch, but it was contained, right? And even if it were to fail, it's okay because I was still upholding everything else I needed to. Right now, my 20% of time is used on a brand new YouTube channel in the Pokemon card collecting space, which is exploding right now. And it's going very well, but it's contained and I'm able to manage both. Yeah, it's really, really helpful. All right, let's do this. Appreciate all that. Thank you, Pat. Really, uh, really helpful answer. So. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, man. All right, let's do this. Let's do a quick reset. Um, a lot of people here with the celebration symbols. I'm seeing you. It's awesome that you're hanging out with us. Welcome to Clubhouse. Uh, the way that Clubhouse works is if you want to get your, your hallway, so to speak, populated, make sure that you're following other people. So when you're not following anybody, you're not going to see any anything to do in that hallway, right? So make sure you're following Pat, please. Make sure you're following me. Make sure you are a part of Club Pod just by putting your little thumb on that green house there. Uh, and that'll give you an opportunity here to be a part of Club Pod. And then we'll let you know when we bring on other folks next week. We got Michael Stelzner coming on. After that, we got Hell Elrod. We got a whole bunch of really interesting people. We're talking to many, many others as well. So, And there's always going to be things going on here. Fun, fun, fun here in Club Pod. So please make sure you join us. And then I also just want to make sure that you guys are aware of the fact uh, that as the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine, we are always looking for interesting shows to feature. So please, if you're not already a subscriber, just go to clubpod.club, and that is a private backdoor link that we offer here in Club Pod for you to grab a free lifetime subscription to Podcast Magazine. All of the category directors, their information is in the magazine reach out for them. Let them know about your show. They are always looking for shows to feature. And so we'd love to see you in an upcoming issue of Podcast Magazine as well. So let's clubpod.club. Uh, and then one more thing here. Pat, how do I sound, by the way? How do I sound? Uh, like you're in a broadcast studio, my friend. Right? Okay. So I get a lot of questions about that, which is how do you sound the way that you sound? What are you using, et cetera, et cetera? How are you recording? This, that, and the other. Um, if you're curious... 
and you want to have this type of sound, I put my whole equipment list. It's not an affiliate link. It, it is an affiliate link, but it's not an opt-in link. Like you don't have to, you know, give me your name and email or anything to get it. If you're curious, this is my equipment list at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash club pod. You got to put a capital C and you got to put a capital P for some reason. It's just how bit.ly works there. Uh, and that'll give you access to my exact equipment list. We are recording this for all you podcasters out there. This is being recorded. This will actually become an episode of my show, which is called Reinvention Radio. Uh, and by the way, if you are on stage and you are asking questions, uh, it is implied that you are giving us consent to record you. If you don't want to be recorded, uh, then please remove yourself from the stage. But I just want to make sure we were clear on all that. And welcome to all the new folks that have the celebration symbol bottom left there on your little icon. That's what that is. And just really awesome having you playing with us here in Clubhouse. Um, before we get to Doc, let me just ask you this question, Pat, because this is a question that we've had ongoing here in Club Pod. A lot of people talking about this on Clubhouse. Really interesting takes on this and perspectives on this. What's your perspective in terms of will Clubhouse lead to the demise of podcasts as we know it? What is your take on that? <laughs> I always laugh when I hear this because we're always thinking about the end of email marketing or our blog's dead or anything like this. Podcasting is not going away. Podcasting is not going away. It's different. This is not, it, yes, it's audio. Yes, it's audio we can consume on the go, but it's it's for a different purpose in my opinion. And for the, for this, this is access. This is the difference between going to an event. This is an event, right? These are like little events that happen every single day where we get access. But at the same time, that's not gonna stop people from consuming blogs, content, emails, et cetera. So for me, it's just it's just different. And it's a it's a it's a addition, it's an arm that you can include in your brand on top of your podcast. This is where I really feel a lot of podcasters podcasters can benefit. Let's create a podcast and let's just say, hey, let's create a club as well where every day where my podcast comes out, maybe it's maybe your podcast comes out every Thursday. Um, every Thursday in the evening, we're gonna bring your community together and you're gonna have a discussion about that exact topic. Maybe you might be able to bring the guest on that day as well to have further conversation about the topic that was discussed in the podcast. So you can actually like go even deeper with the subject matters that were discussed on, on the show. And that's something that I'll be experimenting with here in the future too. But to me, this is about access. This is about giving people a voice, having people be heard, which is the thing that is missing from podcasting. But podcasting still allows mm -hmm. for uh, incredible storytelling and for consumption on the go, as well as the, the fact that um, where I feel podcasting is often underrated is the fact that people can listen after getting the episodes downloaded onto their device, whether they have access to internet or not. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation for sure, but no, this isn't the demise of it. If anything, it'll help support podcasting even more. Yeah. Appreciate that. All right. Let's, uh, let's stay in order here and let's go to Dr. Lola. What's your question? Just fire away with the question so we can keep it popcorn style and then get to Terry, please. Hi, thank you, Steve, for having me on stage. I appreciate what you're doing on this platform. Hi, Pat. I don't really have a question. I just want to say hi to Pat. <laughs> I'm one of your uh, raving fans. I'm one of your uh, power podcasting uh, students. Oh, thank you, Lola. Uh, yeah, I started my podcast uh, after I enrolled in that, uh, in that course. I'm one of the uh, people that I'm not that techy. So I really do appreciate that one-on-one -on -one touch. Uh, you're getting on, uh, on the video and actually showing us how to do it. 
And that is really what I love about it. Even the part that you brought uh, Kiona on mm -hmm. stage to help you one of those uh, videos. Hi. Yeah, my son did help out in one of the yeah. course videos. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm involved in a lot of things, so I'm not podcasting. It's kind of been uh, a secondary, something that I love to do and I do on the side, but I'm hoping to get more serious with it this year. Mm -hmm. Thank for what you're doing in this space and i really do appreciate you as well steve yeah well thank you doc thank we you appreciate you being here absolutely and uh, and that is one of the most beautiful things really about what we're doing here on clubhouse is the opportunity to connect with people to be able to say hello in the way that you just did lola and that's that's amazing terry what's your question hey there oh it's great to great to be on here with you steve and pat pat a long-time listener and i feel like i'm gonna ask pat right now <laughs> thanks really terry cool. um so you being the crash test dummy of online business, I'm curious on your take on um, smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, if you've looked into putting content on that to take advantage of sort of the native platforms or what, what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, that's something that a couple of years ago, you might remember that everybody was talking about and everybody had to be on it. And then it kind of died down for a little bit. And then it seems to be coming back now, especially as we're sort of held at home now and, and we're discovering new ways to consume content. For me, like with anything, I, I love to just explore it a little bit and get a feel for how others are using it. I never try to take the approach of, oh, I want to be the first on it, um, but I like to not also be last. So it is something that I'm experimenting with. And, and for me, what teaches me more is, is having conversations with people who are definitely more versed in it and consider why, that that's, why they think that that's the thing they should be focusing on. So I don't have really great answers, Terry, for you as far as what you should or shouldn't do, other than uh, find people who seem to be using it and, and seeing how they're integrating it into everything else they're doing so that you can make more informed decisions about how you might be able to do it yourself, too, if, if it should prove to be something that could uh, insert itself into your brand. And also, the other thing to pay attention to is like, um, is, it a th is it a thing that you just need to set up once? And if that's the case, okay, let's dedicate some time to it because it'll kind of work in a more automated fashion later or how much upkeep will it actually require? And what would not be done if you were to say yes to this? And that's the approach I take with, with sort of anything. So for me, it's not top priority and therefore I'm not putting a lot of effort and time into it. And yes, I understand I might be losing out on some things as a result, but I also know that the things that I am saying yes to are not just getting the attention they need, but I am able to innovate uh, in, in other ways. And also um, the, the other big lesson that I've learned over you know 12 years of doing this is sometimes uh, so, sometimes there's a lot of new things that come out that could help, but also what's really helpful is doing a lot more of what already is working. And that's also where I would, that, that's where my team and I are focusing. It's like, okay, what is working? Well, instead of trying these new things, let's just do more of that. Yeah. Super smart. Great. Thanks, great. Terry. Yeah. Let's go over Thanks, to Vanica. Thanks, yeah. yeah, for sure. Vanica or Vanika, how would you pronounce it? I just want to make sure I don't butcher it the next time I see you. It's it's Benika. Benika, there you go. <laughs> it's Benika. Thank you. Hey, Benika. Uh, hey, Steve. Hey, Pat. Um, I've heard you mention engagement a little bit. Um, I have a podcast that I started on Anchor, and I did it just because I really love talking and running my mouth, and I have a <laughs> decent following. But I'm really curious, what tools did you use early on to gain engagement back from your users from the podcast, given that it is kind of one directional outside of collecting the data that the platform provides? Fantastic question. You're right. It is a, it is a very one-sided conversation, but there's a few things that they do to sort of incite this level of engagement. What, what that really means is connection to me. It's not necessarily, engagement to, to me is not necessarily getting a like 
or getting a follow or getting uh, a person to talk when they weren't before. That is engagement, obviously, but engagement to me is even more than that. It's the ability for a person to go, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. Oh, oh my gosh, that hit me so different. Like that to me is engagement as well. And so one uh, lovely way that I, I choose to do that is by actually bringing a lot of my listeners on the show. You know, people who have uh, gone through my courses or they've done something that I've taught and they're able to come on. And yes, of course, that makes me look good, too. But at the same time, I also know that people in the audience can more relate to that. And I've heard it directly from their mouths and their emails. The fact that when they hear a person who's just like them or just a couple steps ahead, they feel more connected to it. And to me, that, again, is engagement. So don't just utilize your podcast to interview A-listers and other podcasters and such. But perhaps how might you be able to bring those students of yours, those customers and other people who you're helping on the show, maybe even your just your listeners, like invite them on the show every once in a while. Um, that's a great way to show communities to spotlight your own community members and make them the hero of the story, a la um, Donald Miller and Story Brand, if, if anybody's read that book. Uh, secondly, yes, it would be great to have conversations. One great way that I love to do this is to either hold uh, events specifically, whether it be a live event or a place where people maybe here on Clubhouse. And again, I spoke about this earlier, just the opportunity for podcasters to connect and engage with their community here through Clubhouse is really, really fascinating. But for me, it's like, you know, I want to have my listeners on email because if they are on my email list, number one, I now have what's called business insurance, in my opinion, the ability to, no matter what happens to the podcasting space, no matter what happens to my website or blog or anything, I can take my audience wherever. And that's because I have their email address. So for podcasters to collect emails is one of the most important things, in my opinion, because then from there, I can put them into a Facebook group. Or right now, we're experimenting with higher level membership programs like on circle.so. Uh, and of course, Clubhouse enters the picture there as well. So by being able to have a connection in some way, shape or form, I'm able to engage. And then finally, and this, is, this one's maybe more usual or, or more um, pronounced, is letting people know where they can follow me. And then actually starting conversations. And if any of you ever want to get like the ultimate form of engagement from your audience, which is a review, here's my favorite two-step way to do this. Number one, on your social media channels, just simply ask with asking for nothing in return other than, hey, who listened to the la latest episode? Or what was your favorite part about the latest episode? When you do that, you're going to have people who do listen to your podcast tell you that they've listened or they have a favorite part of the show. They're basically putting their hand up. Then what I do from there is I will direct message those people who have responded with a video message from me saying, hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And by the way, if you have a quick second, if you could leave a review on Apple, that would be hugely helpful. This has like a 95% take rate because they're getting that personalization. And when you think about it, you've actually through this filtering process of asking the first question, you're getting people to raise their hand who are probably going to leave you a five-star review anyway. And this personal touch goes much, much further than you just simply asking everybody on the show to leave a review. For me, this is my favorite thing to do and probably the easiest way uh, to both engage and also get a review back at the same time. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. With the email collection, um, mm -hmm. do you leave like a link in the episode description or in your podcast description? How are you doing that? Uh, yes. And, and I also mentioned where to go get the thing. And by thing, I mean not my newsletter because nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want more email. But what they're doing is listening to this episode about a particular topic. And if it makes sense, I'll include what's called a lead magnet or a downloadable, a PDF checklist, a quick start guide, something that I mentioned throughout the episode that has a very nice link, whether it's smartpassiveincome.com slash giveaway 
or even in, in some cases, I've actually gotten uh, domain names from GoDaddy that just go directly to that landing page where I can then collect their email. And yeah, I share that in the link in the description and also through audio. And I make sure to not include any other noisy URLs around that. It's like the one thing I want them to do other than subscribe if they haven't already. That's the only link they need to remember. And hopefully it's easy, like emailthesmartway.com. That's an example of a domain name I got that goes to a lead magnet. And that works really well because yeah. most people are on the go and can't remember all the things. Yeah. Helpful. Thank Brilliant. you so much. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate it. All right. Just so we can get to a few more here and I uh, want to be respectful of your time, Pat, we got you to the top of the yeah, hour. Mm -hmm. Okay, sweet. So let's kick it over to Tom. What's up, Tommy? Hey, how are you? So Pat, I want to be real quick. So we're good to everybody here. Uh, I have heard you referred to several times as like the nicest guy in podcasting. And I've had a podcast for six and a half years. I've been a professional speaker for 12. And I've seen a lot of people in both industries start out. They're really nice. They're cool. They sit with everybody at the bar. And then the fame comes and they reach the level that you've reached in either podcasting or speaking or both. And suddenly they only hang out with people above them. Suddenly it's like, oh, sure, they'll hang out with Matthew McConaughey. But Bobby, who just started his podcast, mm, I can't be with the unwashed. Is this something that's just your personality or do you really say, hey, I'm not going to be a dick? Mm, all right, all right. Uh, let me answer this question because this is a very important one. Um, when I started my online business back in 2008, I had a couple friends who were in the same program that I was who were starting out just like me, who got very, very wealthy, very fast, who got a lot of notoriety, who got a lot of fame. And guess what? We're not friends anymore because the money, the fame, the subscribers, it all got to their head. And I saw it firsthand. And I'm sad that we're not friends anymore. But I'm also grateful that that happened. And I saw it firsthand, because it made me realize that I never want to go to the dark side. Right. And yes, I have a stormtrooper helmet in my uh, office, but it's just for decoration. Right. It, 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 I want to make sure that I never go down that route. And for me, what's most important is service to my audience. So I've sort of conditioned myself to hang around more with my audience more because that's actually who's going to give me better advice as far as what I should do next, right? A lot of people like to hang out with the bigwigs because they can maybe give them access to things or whatever. And sure, I try to put myself in those rooms as well, but I get more value by being closer to my audience, which is why this topic from engagement earlier is really key. And again, seeing two close people who were doing the same thing as I was firsthand completely go completely off the rails and, and not be my friend anymore um, and just say nasty things and just like completely 180, uh, I, I, I vowed to never want to go down that route. The other thing that helps me is I've put it on my audience. I've told my audience many times, hey, if you see me going down the dark side, like slap me in the face, please. Like you, like sometimes you don't even know you're going down that route. And I think it's important to have uh, other people in a mastermind group or your own audience feel like they have permission to tell you when you're, or you're, when you're going down the wrong path. And that's something that, that um, has always helped me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and I interviewed you six years ago, and you were as nice then as you are now. So that's why oh, thank I asked you, the question. Yeah, I appreciate you. All right, Tommy, let's uh, let's kick it over to Meg. See if we can popcorn a few more in here before uh, we're going to let Pat go, and um, and then we'll stick around. And this show, being the official show, uh, we'll end it, but then we'll we'll stick around here and and keep chatting. And I'm happy to answer questions. We can continue the conversation. But Meg, what's going on? Hey, um, my question is. What is your social media routine? And another quick one, you were talking about community. Does every podcast need a community? Like I know for me, I, I want to listen to Dax Shepard or Nora McInerney, but 
I don't want to be part of their community. I don't need more. I love the story and want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, to that last question, does every podcast need a community? I don't necessarily think every podcast needs a community, but I feel that every podcast could potentially benefit from having a community. And community to me is not necessarily you know, the podcaster talking to the community and the community talking to the podcaster. I mean, I think there's value in that for sure. And again, how Clubhouse can support that is amazing. But I think it's offering those who want the opportunity to find other people like them. That's what we're, what, that's what you could offer. And that, that's something I talk about in my book, Superfans, that can be very powerful. It's the opportunity for people who, if you're at a ball game, for example, your team's down by three and your team hits the game-winning grand slam, what do you do? And you're high-fiving people around you who are wearing the same cap because you're all in this together. But you don't have to high-five or hug everybody. And maybe you're just enjoying the show. Either way, it gives people the opportunity to celebrate and, and, and win with you. And I think that's what's important in terms of community. But no, you don't need to create something super crazy like a, like a Facebook group or anything like that or, or, or have a, a, you know, a ongoing clubhouse uh, group meeting every single week. Um, it's really, you got to also uh, do what's comfortable for you. Um, to your first question about social media, for me, it is all based on the calendar. For me, my calendar is my, um, my, my brain, essentially, because if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. But also, if it's scheduled, I'll do it for that amount of time. And for me, I've been very, very disciplined lately. I've had to be, because even with, with Clubhouse here, there's only certain times of the day that I only allow myself to be on Clubhouse, and it's not every day either. And that's how I can make sure and ensure that I get all these other things done. So for me, for social media, I have about 45 minutes a day, baked in three times, 15 minutes a day. Um, that I'm on. And when I'm on, I'm on. Nothing else matters except social media during that time. But outside of that, I'm actually not even on. And as long as I'm showing up consistently, that's okay. And for me, that's my strategy that works for me in my lifestyle. I know for others, that's almost blasphemy, not being engaging the rest of the day. But that's how I'm able to manage all the things I need to manage. And that's my, uh, that, that's my uh, sort of strategy there. And in terms of how I show up, I'm usually asking questions and engaging with those who are there at that moment, or I'm replying and, and, and responding to comments that perhaps were shared hours earlier, but people are still getting a reply. And I'm all in on it during those times, but it allows me to show up, but also not forget about the other things that are important that are happening during the day for me. Thank Love you that. so much. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Lindsay, question for Mr. Pat Flynn. Of course, Pat, we missed you at the uh, San Diego meeting. I know, I know. <laughs> It's good to hear you here, though. San Diego meetup. I need to be at that. You wish. Damn it. (laughs) One day. day. I'll tell you more about it later. All right. Thank you. (laughs) So my question is related because you usually catch us up with cool stuff. So what are what are you working on that you're excited about right now? Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lizzie. So I'm working on this brand new YouTube channel, right? I was talking about the 20 percent of stuff that, that I do that's sort of not usual. Um, and I started this YouTube channel as a result of a hobby that my kids got me into. And, and like anything, anything I get into, I go kind of a little deep on it. Uh, so I started this YouTube channel. It's called Deep Pocket Monster. It now has 7,500 subscribers. And it's Yay. kind of blowing up, even just after a month. And I'm bringing a, a lot of new, uh, I'm taking a lot of the things that I've learned doing video for the entrepreneurial world. And I'm putting it into the to the space of Pokemon cards, where most of the people doing YouTube videos about Pokemon cards are either just like ripping open packs and frenzying through the cards to find the good ones or and or they're just on their webcams i'm bringing like a probe lens to look at the detail of these things i'm telling stories that are uncovered that nobody's ever talked about before and um, i'm also getting involved in communities there which is pretty cool so i i've even been invited to be on other pokemon podcasts there are pokemon podcasts out there 
and I'm getting invited on them. It's kind of a weird thing. It's so funny. <laughs> I love it's, it. Though. That's it really I'm having cool. a good time now. Thank you. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, Pat, just uh, again, I want to be really respectful of your time. Are we a hard stop or can we take these last three? Let's take these last three. Yep. Okay, sweet. All right, Kevin, what's going on, my brother? Hey, thanks so much for being here, Steve and Pat. Uh, Pat just joined SPI Pro this week. Really excited. Yay, thanks, um, man. I've, yeah, I've got a community of about 600 podcasters of my own. And one of the things, the biggest questions and biggest things I help with uh, the most often, which I would love your take on so that I can help them, is uh, targeting their audience really specifically. So t- a lot of uh, early podcasters, you know, start super, super broad and then they have trouble finding traction. So if you were helping somebody to further define their audience, how would you approach that? I would approach it in a couple ways. Number one, I would look at the analytics of the specific episodes that you've created. First, considering who were these episodes really for and then considering, okay, which ones of these have gotten most traction or not? Because you can discover a lot of things based on what seems to be uh, more popular within your analytics. So I would start there. Uh, we only have so much to work with as podcasters, but just download numbers and, as well as retention rate. Uh, looking at your Apple analytics to see how long people are listening to episodes for or where they drop off can be very helpful too. Secondly, the thing that's helped me the most is having direct conversations with people. This is the thing that's taught me more than anything to understand who it is my audience really is. Because yes, I can make up an avatar in my head. It's his name is John. He's thirty three. Has two kids. And, you know, uh, picket fence. And he drives home and hates his job. Whatever. But if I have a question or if I'm considering a piece of content, I can't go to John because John's not real. But if I've had a conversation with Kevin and Kevin, I know has this community of podcasters and I can talk to Kevin and go like, Hey, what's the, what's the issue? Oh, I'm having trouble with this or whatever. Now I can empathize and understand more about you. And the more conversations I have, the better understanding I have of, of who my audience is. And I can test these things. If I have some ideas now, I can come out with a new podcast episode or a new piece of content or a, a new lead magnet or create a registration page for a webinar to actually verify that, okay, this is exactly what I'm learning about my audience. They actually all have trouble with time management. So let's do a time management uh, webinar and just see who shows up. If nobody shows up, well, I guess that was wrong. But if people do show up, okay, now there's a sign I can go deeper and have deeper conversations about that and potentially even create solutions about that as well. Thank you, Pat. Excellent. Well, All right, we're going to wrap after Catherine. I saw Joshua come back up here, but we're going to wrap after Catherine. So Ryan, let's get to your question uh, and then we'll wrap with Catherine and, and let Pat get back to his merry ways. So actually, Catherine, hold tight. We'll go to Ryan first uh, and then we'll get you unmuted there. So Ryan, please. Hi, yes, Steve, Pat. It's good to uh, be here. Uh, one hey, good question. We have this new platform of Clubhouse. What's your game plan? Like, how, how are you planning on using it for your, your podcast or SPI in general? And that, that's it. That's my question. Yeah, no, this is a great question. Great I, question. I don't know how I'm going to use it yet, but I'm exploring and I'm seeing how people like Steve use it and others. And I'm just getting very intrigued. I'm, I essentially am just writing down different ways that people are, uh, seem to be using it. For me, what I found most valuable right now is the ability for me to connect with my own audience so I can have these empathetic conversations and learn more about what they're going through. What I love about Clubhouse is it makes people feel a little bit more comfortable about being open. And that's something that you want when you're doing research. You want people to be open. And I've had people in rooms who come up and go, oh my gosh, this is the first time I'm ever like, you know, talking uh, about these things in, in a group like fashion like this. And, and, and it does help people who are there in the room, but it also helps me understand more deeply about not just who my audience is and what they need help with, but also literally the language they're using. So when I can, and this is something that takes um, practice, but if you have somebody answering a question, 
don't just think about the answer, think about the words they're using. And that to me is marketing gold because then you can put that in emails, you can put that in sales pages and whatnot. Um, and, and that allows you to connect with other people who are like them too. So to Kevin's question earlier about, you know, who it is that your niche is, I mean, I'm using Clubhouse to even discover more about that too. And that to me is very valuable. Um, as far as other means of using it, I'm not quite sure yet. It might be a great way to validate topics it might be a great way to uh, further the community uh, together, but for right now, I'm just still in exploration mode. I don't, I don't know. Great. Yeah, right. Are that. you going to start a club, SBI club? Uh, yeah, pro probably, probably. Um, I'll have to talk to Steve more about that, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, thanks, Ryan. And then we'll wrap with Catherine. Joshua, appreciate you hanging out here, my brother. But we're going to have to wrap with Catherine. So, Catherine, what's your question, please? Thanks so much, Pat. So I started my own podcast in January and it was really successful. I ranked number three right off the bat. Nice. But I'm curious because I know that you've had more than one podcast. And when I was starting the podcast, I started to think about a pivot or expanding my audience. And when do you decide to incorporate the two audiences or how do you decide to do two different podcasts? Yeah, great question. I have multiple podcasts, as you know. So it started out with the one and I had an idea for a second show, but I didn't want to just start that second show. I wanted to, if, if the audience are, are related, have a bonus episode come out or a test episode. I think I, I remember seeing this happen when um, the startup podcast with Alex Bloomberg from Gimlet Media, he had the startup podcast and then he had like the reply all podcast in that same feed for a, a little bit of time just to test. And what they were doing was just kind of seeing how the audience was, would respond. And then it became its own show after that. And I did the same thing too. I had a section of my podcast where I was answering people's questions after they voiced it in through speakpipe.com. And then I just gauged the audience's response. And what I heard was they loved the fact that they were hearing other people like them. However, it just added more length to the show than necessary. So that just gave me a clue. Okay, this should be its own podcast. Now, I didn't know it was going to be its own podcast. I just was experimenting with the format. And like I was saying earlier to somebody else's question, we can use our existing show to experiment and see and gauge. And so I would first test this podcast as maybe a bonus podcast or a test episode or um, you know, something like that, or, or, or you know, whether it's a different subject li line or subject matter. Um, and then it could branch off into its own thing. You might yep. find that it, it, it should actually stay in the same feed and it just becomes a second episode per week. Um, but if the audiences cross over that, that's the way I would do it. Um, if not, it may be worth experimenting, getting on other shows first about that topic, just to kind of gauge whether or not you even like talking about that thing and could, could enjoy speaking and connecting with other people first. If you know you have value to add, you can experiment by being on somebody else's platform first before then creating your own and branching out. So uh, I, I like taking little micro steps and, and sort of thinking about these new things like, okay, I'm going to try this, but it's going to be in this little Petri dish where if I don't like it or things get out of control, I can at least just throw that Petri dish away. And I didn't like, uh, how do you say, um, contaminate the whole thing. Love that. All right, Catherine, thank you for the question. We'll move you back there. And Pat, really appreciate you hanging out with us here. Absolutely. In Club Pod here on Clubhouse on this live episode of Reinvention Radio. And here is what I'm going to ask you to do, Pat. If people want more information about you, where should they find you? Where should they connect? I know you got a lot of things going on, man, but where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, thank you. Obviously, if you wanted to follow me here on Clubhouse, that's very simple to do. Uh, and also make sure you're following ClubPod as well, because this has just been an amazing group. I've seen what you've done with it, uh, Steve. I'm very stoked on it and uh, just very grateful for the opportunity here. Yeah. Well, if you want to follow you me, yeah, please. Uh, smartpassiveincome.com or Pat Flynn on 
YouTube, Pat Flynn on Instagram, Pat Flynn on Twitter. Uh, that's kind of where you might want to find me. Um, so Pat Flynn on YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter, uh, or just smartpassiveincome.com. Really appreciate you. And remember, we do go live here almost every day in Club Pod. So if you're listening to the podcast, come on to Clubhouse, hang out with us in Club Pod. Lots of fun stuff going on here almost every day. Again, please, before we end here, make sure you're following Pat. Make sure you're following me. Make sure you're a part of Club Pod. And hit that little bell, that notification there, so you can get notified of when we go live in the future. And lastly, again, if you're just joining us here for the first time, as the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine, I have the ability to give you a free lifetime subscription, which I'm happy to do. Uh, and as a way of saying thank you for hanging out with us, just go to clubpod.club. Uh, and that's a private backdoor link that you can use to join us for the Podcast Magazine ride. All right, my friends, we will make this official. We will talk to you next time here in Club Pod. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. 